This is the Fireground Action Photography Podcast, Episode 13. We follow along with Ross Benson as he photographs an Academy recruit class, and the Huey is our Gadget of the Week. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fireground Action Photography, the podcast produced by and for photographers specializing in emergency services action photography. My name is Craig Derling, and I am your host back for another week. And joining me again in base camp is veteran Southern California fire photographer Ross Benson. Welcome back, Ross. Good afternoon. How are you? Where are we? Where are we? Southern it, California. We are in Southern California. It rained all day, but for some reason I'm still perspiring because it's humid as anything. It's still 80 degrees, but it's been raining all day, so it's very muggy here. But uh, nonetheless, let's move on. Let's get this show rolling. Um, yesterday, we're, you know, this is the weekend, Halloween weekend. It was. And we were planning on this episode to do a uh, some kind of Halloween fire wrap-up with all of the fires and incidents that were going to be going on this weekend in the uh, Los Angeles area. And I'll tell you, I got nothing. Oh, I know it was I got nothing. Very quiet. I, I was staging in Pasadena, downtown Pasadena, all night last night. Nothing aside from three or four medical calls. Dead quiet. Not a single structure response. Not a not a TC anywhere that I could hear in TC. Traffic collision. Oh, thank you. You you say TA traffic <laughs> accident, and you're one city away. But uh, nothing. Very very quiet in all of the Verdugos, all of Area C, Burbank, Glendale, Pasadena. And the like, and you were staged in, in, right Hollywood, in Hollywood, Hollywood and Vine, two blocks from Hollywood and Vine, and I mean, plenty of people watching to, oh, to be sure. But as far as fire incidents, absolutely nothing. Yeah, I was a block away from uh, L.A. City Station eighty two, in the shadow of Capitol Records, and there was nothing. They had some medical runs, and the later got got a couple of assault calls. They had no fire runs. Uh, to do with Halloween at all. I wonder why. It's used, I mean, it am I forgetting something? It's it, historically pretty busy. Well, you know, I think it, and I, I wonder if it goes with the fire prevention thing. You know, people are doing things a lot differently now than they used to. Candles, people with pumpkins, putting candles yeah, in true. them. Your costumes are totally, you know, they're really warning people. And I think that might have something to do with it. And also fire prevention for buildings, how, where people go and what, you know, to expect. And still, really, I mean, Halloween being on a Friday night, usually you have the parties, and that usually turns into well, the fire-related incidents. I will say the later it got, um, it uh, really got going. There were some big parties. The Palladium had a big event going. The uh, Shrine Auditorium had a very big party going. Mm -hmm. My son was working there. Like At one time, I heard the inspectors count out. We have 11,000 people in at one stage. That's a lot of people. Isn't that what would lead to typically medical calls? Oh, they did. But, um, uh, but nothing no uh, fire-related. Fire so we'd be curious to hear what uh, our listeners and had was, last night. I know there were a bunch of guys uh, from the East Coast that were in Detroit these, the past few days to, to, to uh, partake there. Curious to hear... Maybe uh, if they had uh, some good fires in, in Detroit, I, I, it I even, sounded very quiet across I the board. I didn't even hear um, traffic accidents, yeah. you know, uh, involving kids, which you always kind of hear. Or candy. People get suspicious candy. They, you know, roll an officer or whatever. Oh, out to and, speaking of candy. Oh, my. 
This is the candy episode. I had one group of one gaggle of children come by last night before I went out buffing. But so now you get to finish I the milk duds. Sixteen and... pounds of Halloween candy. Oh, Whoppers! <laughs> Love oh. the Whoppers. I'm going to be in big trouble. Stay away from those. Yeah, I will. I'm... But we're not going to eat them during the show. That would just be rude <laughs> and very noisy. So anyway, for us on this end, at least, a quiet Halloween, send us an email um, or get us on the forum, and I'll give you those addresses later. But uh, I'm curious to hear uh, what kind of Halloween you guys had out there across the country and around the world, oh, if, you, love- even if you celebrate Halloween in other places. I'd love to see if anybody shot any pictures of available like carved uh, oh, pumpkins. Yeah. Because that's really a great We need to do story. that next year. Have like a, a fire-themed pumpkin, pumpkin carving contest oh with pictures yeah yeah that'd be interesting oh yeah. there you go people get to it get to work we'll plan that for next year um ross i wanted to give you an opportunity tonight you have had a unique uh opportunity in the last several months here you are uh you're basically the city of burbank uh fire department's primary volunteer photographer that you I are am. photo one that's me have <laughs> been for 80 years or so yeah what, since the uh, city incorporated um but uh, no, you, you were asked a while back to uh, to document their uh, fire academy. Yeah, recruit class. the Tri City Fire Academy. I'll, I'll I'll let you get into that. But you've you've no doubt had some unique experiences and seen some interesting things along the way. Being on the inside, oh, definitely. as a photographer. Um, so we we want to talk about that tonight. First, give us a little background on how uh, Burbank's academy works and who's involved in that. Yeah. Um. Well, many many years ago, they had a couple of training chiefs that found that photography back then you didn't have video and so still photography they'd like me to shoot pictures not only to put together an uh you know a, a slideshow for graduation but through the years what these guys are learning and then they can use them in ongoing classes let's say they learn trenching techniques well the next class you have pictures of people trenching they can use your pictures it's great for well, training aids oh definitely. the right way to do it and the wrong way to do it exactly are they are you, you find they're using that they want the almost the bad pictures too oh definitely um they do and now well what they've gone to is they have a production person that creates video uh in the classes are watching video not uh they are using some of my shots in fact i think i told you last week they're looking to do a new uh, ventilations techniques a uh, whole video that they're going to produce i think we're talking uh february they're looking for pictures if anybody has great ventilation shots available light night day whatever if you have trenching of a roof they would we'd love to borrow it you know and put it in this training video but they uh i saw one last week they really you know with the aid of having the major studios out here i got to see a training video yesterday of ladder placement and they go out to a you know a sound studio at warner brothers actually it's a ranch they have a facade of new york street you look like yeah, they they have every structure you'd want they have neighborhoods of houses they have exactly well buildings and- you know you think of um there's a couple of movies out here they have a park scene where that fountain is used uh, friends right the friends fountain you'd think you're right on the set of in right New across York. the street from the leave it to beaver house as i recall <laughs> exactly yeah. so Who knew they were neighbors well and and that's the nice thing so they can use these facades and these training facilities and they put together a real professional video so it's a good location good city to have an academy and what's the makeup of the academy what cities participate how many recruits do they have what they've done is burbank is in the verdugo communication system and the three cities that formed that many years ago were Burbank, Glendale, and Pasadena. They're all back up against each other in the foothills of uh, the Tri-City exactly. tri-city area. 
Exactly. And uh, many years ago, a chief by the name of Mike Davis, who is retired now, came up with this idea. He's from Burbank, Burbank uh, Maine Fire Chief, came up with this idea. You know, we respond, if you have a second alarm, these cities are coming from, we're, we're backing each other. Well, now they have, there's no territorial lines in these three cities. Uh, they're, the emergency response, the closest engine will go to a fire. So what they've done is they've brought, they've taken rookies from these three class, from these three cities, and they're training together. So when you get out of the academy, you go to work for Glendale Fire, and a guy from Burbank Fire, they can go on a fire and they're working together. That's so true. A, that that's kind of an I don't know how unique that is. Maybe it is, it's a very unique uh, way of doing things. You said whoever's closest goes. So you could have a call in Burbank. But if there's a Glendale station that's right over the city line that's closer than another Burbank engine, they're going to get the run. I think you and I were on that tire fire on Victory, first in engine, was on a, yeah. was a Glendale engine. And so what they've done is they've made everything uniform for the Area C. So your hose fittings are the same. So if you have to lay a line pull a piece of equipment off, your rig is your rig. So I mean, all the equipment they use is exactly the same. Exactly. And now with this Tri-City Academy, they're guys training the learning. same. Exactly. So if you, let's say you have to foot a 35. You have three guys on a 35. You can send somebody to what? a 35-foot ladder, excuse me, a wooden or aluminum, usually wooden. That's a the, the workhorse of fire department ladders is a 35-foot wooden ladder. It's a three-man ladder. You could pull a Glendale guy, and you're going to do it exactly the same. And they train not only guys that are new to the department, but they when they go out and drill, they're drilling with multiple cities, you know. And so um, the class right now, um, this is class four Verdugo recruit class four. They've done they've done four, um, and they're really successful now. Um, the first three involved Burbank, Glendale, Pasadena. The last class with. Uh, had a ton of Glendale firemen. They they brought on 19 guys. So this class, uh, they had a hiring freeze. So this class is b- basically made up of Burbank and Glendale. There's uh, 12 Burbank and five Pasadena firemen. So the recruit, the drill, and drill master, is a Pasadena drill master with instructors from Burbank and peer firemen, firemen that have been on the fire, fire line just for a couple of years. They come, they've been assigned to the class, it's a 40-hour week, and they come and train with them so they can help these guys. So they're new, they're not seasoned Almost guys. like a mentor program. Exactly. And then, plus then, what's nice about it is they go back to their departments and different guys are coming in to teach different things. Yesterday, they had USAR, Urban Search and Rescue. They brought out uh, our, our uh, 32s which is their Glendale or Pasadena. USAR 32 from Pasadena. Right. It's their massive USAR rig. And the guys the the guys that were on 32s trained Burbank, Glendale, or Burbank. Well, that, and, yeah. that's, that only makes sense, I guess. You get the people with the special training and certifications, might as well have them teach. Exactly. And what's nice about it is if when they come in, they know where the stuff is, they work together, the communications is the same And they now thing. know the people. Well, that's it. When you go on a medical call or a fire at 3 in the morning, and let's say it works into a second alarm, and your backup guys are coming from way off, let's say Pasadena comes in for a second alarm, you know who you're talking to. Yeah. Hey, what are you up to? You know, it's a really great relationship. No, that, see, that's, and that's there great. Are, and maybe a larger fire academy wouldn't have opportunities like that, have that kind of one-on-one, that small group um, training environment. I mean, this is definitely a plus, I would say, oh, it is. for these three cities to get together. 
and that, have their own academy. And, and their own accredited, I assume. Oh yes. Oh, fully Obviously, accredited. Yeah. Yeah, fully accredited, and that's the thing. They uh, the three cities. You know, training budgets are different. What I have found is they're using uh, this class is at the Burbank Training Facility. Burbank, many years ago, has a great piece of property. They have a fantastic facility. Yeah, um, not only inside and outside. Outside, they have the standard four-story concrete tower, but it's a big, um, oh, the the apparatus floor, the floor out there, there's a park setting in the middle. There's an area that they could do auto fires. Last week, we got to do uh, hands-on fire extinguishers, uh, all three different types of extinguishers right there. Um, now, that's funny. I'm going to stop you there because you just used some wording that is something I definitely wanted to talk about. You said we got to. <laughs> we got to. And this is something we had talked about the other day, a little bit of this. is, And you brought it up. I'm asking, you know, hey, what are your experiences as a photographer in this and how? what have you learned from it? And you made a great point. You said, well, I'm basically going through the academy, too. This is a great refresher, learning all about, you know, fire safety all over again. Oh, yeah. And you're getting to do a lot of the stuff the recruits are doing. So tell us about that experience as, you know, when you're putting the camera down and then we'll get into the photography. That's funny. You know, you don't think of it because you have this camera in your hand. But I said in the video, I went in the classroom, they they have this great video. You know, they have screens all over. The class goes in. I sit in the back of the class with them. You're hearing all the lectures. Exactly. Different types of extinguishers are proper. And I've been doing this. I was a fireman for Warner Brothers 20 some odd years ago and I used to do this stuff so now listen to them with new techniques and so forth so they're going out and when I say we they did three different scenarios three different types of extinguishers they did um, gasoline what kind of extinguisher you're going to use with it they did an auto fire they did a combustible fire and then they also showed the guys how to refill water can extingu- you know water cans I used to do all that, so they would put out these fires, and if I wanted to be involved, they would let me, being if I wanted to do hands-on. But uh, we go out from the classroom, and I go through the three scenarios. I break the the crew, the, gla- the class up into three platoons, A, B, and C. And uh, it, it's sad to say that we have lost a couple. A couple people haven't made it. They get tested every week. Um, and retested. Uh, in fact, just yesterday, they brought out truck 12. One of the guys had to go to 100-foot tip, lock in, and they timed him going up the ladder, t- chiming in everything, and it just so happens. When he came down, they, the instructors noticed four or five things that he did wrong. Now, this was a retest, and it goes into his packet. And they're not and only the te- actual official formal tests, but oh. the entire academy is an evaluation process. Oh, it sure is. Now, do you find you're getting to know the recruits as they go through this, as you train with them or alongside them? Are you missing some of them as they go? <laughs> you know, it's funny because you and I have talked about that. There's one, and I'm seeing things in different uh, with different recruit members. Uh, we had a, They had a female that uh, was in this class. Only one passed. She was a Burbank uh, hire, and um, she uh, just passed out, failed out last week uh, ladders nailed her again upper upper strength upper um, body strength upper right. body strength they she couldn't throw a 24 foot up against a building and then but she made entered. it pretty far how far along are oh, they now we're what six or eight weeks into class she made it quite far and how long is the academy? 16 weeks okay so she made it a little past halfway and yeah they get to know each other they study together they drill together they want these people because in the fire services is 
being photographers out there, we know you're in a you're in a station for 24 hours. You go on a strike team. You guys could you could live together for four or five days at a time. So they want these platoons to get to know each other and work together and so forth. Now, as, so, as a uh, as a photographer documenting the academy, do you find you're you're being accepted as part of the team, part of the crew, or are you creating maybe a buffer zone, drawing a line that you're not crossing. You try and, you know what I mean? Like you're not trying to to break that fourth wall or whatever the terminology is you want to use. Um, With this class and previous classes, that's how I was sucked into, you know, being with Burbank. I, the guys know me, there's captains now, there's chiefs now that they said, God, we remember you from our rookie class. I'm a common name around Burbank fire stations, you know, and it's pretty normal. But I'm finding this class I'm shooting with another photographer, Jerry Jones, uh, Jerry Jacobs, excuse me. From Glendale. He's a retired Glendale fireman. He's uh, their photographer now. Even though they don't have any uh, students in this class, he's coming along to uh, to shoot it. Uh, and he, he used to be a truckie. So um, he... Uh, he loves doing all the truck stuff. He'll climb up to the top of the uh, ladder, uh, the tower, and shoot them coming up. And they're they're doing things that they want action shots of these kids so they can put the video together. Um, so we're kind of shooting together. And uh, for me, it's it's yeah, you get to know these people. Um, it's always sir. They treat me right like if I was an instructor out there. And uh, in fact, I brought the prop. Uh, the drill master gave me a hat, Verdugo Academy hat. They were, you know, a baseball hat or whatever. Well, you might as well you know. be in uniform. Oh, kind of. And I go out there. I well, some. I ask them. In fact, that's a good one. They were doing extinguisher training last week, and they were doing an auto fire. And I asked the Burbank captain, "Do you want me in PPEs, personal protective equipment?" Mm-hmm. And he said, "You're okay. Where I'm standing, I usually shoot shoot a longer lens." I'm in a safe zone, but when we go, why was he standing behind you then? <laughs> well, he was. No, uh, you're perfectly he, fine. Just stand right here. <laughs> you're right. Uh, well, it's kind of funny because how the Burbank Training Center is laid out. They have a oh, in the concrete, uh, a pit that they do gasoline fires, and they kept relighting them. They'd pour gasoline and diesel in. They'd relight it, let it go, and I got a couple of great shots. In fact, I think I showed you one. These kids, uh, that was the first time they saw live fire. And what's great about it is we're talking, for some of these kids, it's the first, I say kids, they're, you know, some of them are 20s, 20, late 20s, they're not kids. But what, it, you know, the first time they were next to real fire, and it was funny because the person that was doing the um, extinguisher demo with the flammable liquids was a Pasadena fireman. He looked up at one time and there was a pretty good cloud of smoke going up. They, uh, you know, and it was a hot fire and these kids, you know, get to feel all that. Then they did an auto fire all of 10 feet away and I could move around. What's so great is gives me the opportunity to look at different angles, shoot different, um, focal lengths, put my strobe on, shoot, move around. Um, I haven't gotten doused with water, but you know, I've always watched it cause they open a Wait nozzle. Wait for graduation. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was, that's something I was wondering is, um. Is in these, you know, in a training scenario, training and training environment, you have really ideal conditions in which to shoot, you know, events that normally are horrible conditions to shoot in, petroleum fires, car fires, structure fires, all that. They're setting up uh, controlled environments for these events. I got to imagine that's a great opportunity for any photographer to get in on that 
and a great opportunity to to start experimenting with with your technique. Are you finding uh, that you're using that opportunity? Oh yeah, um, you know, even going up to the top of the tower, going into a, a controlled situation, these guys are climbing up a ladder, you know, a hundred foot ladder. You're walking up the t- inside the tower. I'm shooting outside the window, and they're in full safety gear. You know, you're watching that, and even when we're doing different scenarios, um, they haven't. Uh, they're just getting hands on the draws of life. I mean. You could pop a door and something can go flying. It's easy. I have to use just as much caution sure. as if I'm out on the street. And it's not a lot. You know, you don't often have an opportunity to stand on the roof of a burning burning building and get a picture of them coming up the ladder toward you. Exactly. Which is a fantastic shot. <laughs> but this is really one of the only opportunities you ever have to, oh, it to is. get that. And, and you know, the, they're doing tons of push-ups. Thank goodness they don't have me doing push-ups. Um, but, you know, that's one thing I am finding. The instructors, the drill master, anybody out there, if they're bringing these guys in from USAR 32 and the drill master decides to have everybody give them 25, everybody gives them 25, not just the, the peers recruits. and everybody gets down, right? Yep. Captains off of rigs because they, they have to be in the same shape, you know. And, and it's and, a great example. They're leading by example. Exactly. And, you know, the other nice thing being right here in Burbank, we went to Warner Brothers last week. First time they were out of the uh, training facility, you got to realize the training facility is like all asphalt. You know, we got to Warner Brothers. There were curbs. There were cars parked there. There were, you know, different types of scenarios where trees in the way of a hydrant, you know, and, and so forth. And these kids are getting to learn this what is out now, there. Okay, let me ask you this. I've seen it many times on the East Coast. If there's a car in front of a hydrant, are they training them? To put the hose line through the windows, break the windows, and put them through the car? You know, I Or is that just improvised in the field? You know... Kidding! I'm kidding! In all my years of shooting, I've only seen it once. Um, and they couldn't... You know, well, now they're now when you're laying a supply line off a hydrant... You know, it used to be you lay a two and a half, or you lay a double two and a half. Now they're laying this five-inch, four and five-inch hose. You don't put that through a car because that could just destroy, you know... Breaking a window is one thing. But uh, I have not seen that out here on the West Coast. Maybe it's an East Coast thing. I like it, though. Oh. <laughs> it has a little panache to it, you know? <laughs> but, I, you know, going on, um, these getting to know these, these recruits, um, as I was saying, there's one, this last class, I noticed every time he does anything, his tongue is off to the left side of his mouth. He sticks his tongue out? Every single time, no matter what he does. It's off to the left, and I have more pictures of him pulling up a lanyard on a ladder or climbing a roof ladder, and his tongue's off to the left. He's going to bite it off one of these days. That's <laughs> Jeez. It's scary, you know, but it's funny. So, But you know who it is in the picture then, don't you? I do. Well, how many mm-hmm. times have we taken pictures over the years? Somebody up on the roof of a, bur- of a building, a, a structure going or something, and we can't tell who it is. But another firefighter comes up, looks at the picture, and goes, oh, that's so-and-so. How can you tell? Nobody else stands like that. Nobody else holds a, you know, a cape hole like that. You, I was at a station. Nobody else sticks their tongue out like that. I was at a station three days ago. I brought a shot that you and I, a fire that you and I were on. It was a silhouette. Five guys, six guys walked up to me. There's only three guys in the shot. And they came up to. It, was it all of them? They were all. Yeah. Oh, I remember that fire. Yeah, that, that's me. That's great for sales, though. I've sold a lot of pictures that way. You're right. Great silhouette shots. Oh, that, that's you, man. That's you. Oh, yeah, that's me. That, but oh, it's yeah. funny. Exactly Sell it to what 10 you different said. people. There was one shot. I think it was a Griffith Park fire you and I were on. There was a fireman on the roof holding on the, roof. The, uh, the saw. And I showed it to four or five guys. They said, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so. Look at how he's standing. Exactly. 
people have their, I don't know, their, you know, their different stance and they're different how they do things. And yeah, you could see it in pictures and shooting over the years, as you and I know, some people do certain things. I remember years ago, a uh, fire captain told me whenever they had a struck a good working structure fire, he knew it was going to be a good working structure fire because he had to go in the bathroom and puke, you know, before the response. Well, you know my problem if I if it's a good fire, you know, he, these things happen. <laughs> Do you really want to be talking about this? <laughs> Anybody, if you want to send emails as to your guess as to what Ross has to do every time there's a real fire going before he leaves the house. Well, you have said it. You you know. That's a funny part because you and, and I. It isn't turn the oven off. No, we've we've had, we've been roommates. <laughs> we now live what a couple miles apart from each other. And if it's a good working fire, you'll you know where you usually find me if uh, it's a good fire, you know. But isn't that All weird? Right. How do you know? You know, I don't know. It's adrenaline in the, your body, I guess. But uh, you know, that's the thing with these new rookies. Uh, seeing them do back back to the I'm, things I'm that they thinking, do. I'm going to sit back and wonder where you're going with this. How you're going to get out of this? Well, you know, they how they put their turnouts on. I'm doing pictures from they have to put on full equipment within a minute and a half. I sometimes have trouble finding my shoes in, for five minutes. You change a compact flash guard in a minute and a half? In the dark? In the dark. Think about it. Know your equipment. It, that was one of our first shows. But these guys, full, and it has to be perfect. I mean, they get graded. On if their collars are up, if their gloves are the collars you know, up, and and the right way, exactly. And now we have a lot of firefighters that listen to the show, and they're going to know exactly what you're talking about. I don't know if you're bringing them back in time, remembering the old days, but you know you're getting a great refresher course. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. If you can share with us maybe some some things you've learned because you've in the, like we just touched on these controlled environments give you a chance to experiment a little with technique bracketing different angles taking pictures of hey look maybe i'm not going to take a shot of the action maybe there's something else that's an interesting photograph around here you're, you're you you know you've mentioned before that your your view is kind of broadening uh, you know as as you go through shooting things your your eye you're picking up different things now i'm going to get around to the question believe me but no what what have you learned in in, the, in shooting following this academy photographically having the chance to experiment a little. What, what, have, what have you taken away from that so far? The Academy isn't over, so there's still oh. more to learn, but but this has been a unique opportunity for you. You know, what, 13 editions ago, or, or I don't forget how many months ago it was, you and I were talking, and, and my photography gotten real stale. And what I have gotten from this, um, if they're out doing something and they're they're real repetitive, you know, 15 different recruits have to go through something, I'm not going to shoot each recruit doing the same exact thing. The shot's not there. It gives me the chance to look around. I mean, they all have now we're down to, what, uh, 14 recruits. We started with 17. Well, we had 17 water bottles. They all have their own water bottles. You know, and it's funny. The drill master will walk by me and goes, oh, Benson's getting artsy over there. <laughs> it's funny. They all, their breathing apparatus is all laid out exactly the same. Their boots are put next to their turnouts exactly the same, you know. So I'm now getting to look. If there's a truck company out there while they're doing ladder stuff, I'm walking around the truck shooting axe handles. Reflections. and Exactly. Um, the Tillerman's bucket, you know, his, his seat belt sitting there. Just it gives me the chance to go out. Like I said a couple weeks ago, I, sh- I, sh- I think I shared with you, I shot a, a fire hydrant. 
Now, how many times do we have the chance to be sitting, hanging around, and looking at a Jones valve or a fire hydrant or whatever you want to call it, water dripping, no water? Well, usually, we're, that's not our priority. Usually, we're running past it to get to the fire, but exactly. in this environment... It gives me that opportunity now to spend a little extra time, you know, and talk about shoot it at F two eight, shoot it F sixteen. I've gotten to look at dust on my, you know, uh, sensor. Mm-hmm. Um, look at different things. Now this week we had yesterday crazy weather out here in Southern California. It rained. We had weather. Bus. Yeah, we had weather. Whenever we have weather, yeah. it's crazy. You know, and so that has given me that opportunity. Um, they bring in different pieces of apparatus from the three cities. Well, this one, too. They have some um, Pasadena rigs out there. Burbank has some rigs. And then they're bringing rigs all the time. So I get to look at the different rigs. And I have found that they know who I am. I can go in the middle of them. I can walk almost anywhere. And at this point, you're not a not a distraction. No. You're, you're just part of the scenery at this point, the, right? I don't know. I was not in the first class when they gave me ground rules out there, but I think that I'm pretty sure they probably told them, you know, guys don't look at me. That's a thing. Um, I very seldom will have guys looking directly at me. And I'm you don't shooting, want that. Exactly. I love shooting what I call candid pictures. You know, guys really intently, and that's one thing the drill master asked for on this class. He says, we want the facial expressions. When they're on a doing something, you know, them them biting their tongue or biting their lip or, or trying to figure or out. Or sticking their way. tongue out and you're <laughs> knowing that you're talking about them to the world on a podcast about their tongue sticking out. Right. They, Wait, but yeah, they, you but don't the, want them the to The beads act, of sweat, you know, you, coming down. The last you know. thing you want to do is have them oh. act differently because the camera or you are there. You want them to be natural. You want them to be used to it. Used to you. You know, and the benefit of that is when they graduate, they're out in the field. We have a fire. I'm shooting, you know, if it's them doing CPR, them doing a a cut on a door, whatever. My camera, that doesn't even phase them. You know, um, seeing my flash go off, seeing me. You know, you walk out of a door, I'm a pretty big guy. You know, you jump off a rig, and if I'm there, or walking around the station, I'm one of them. You know, so it's like it, it makes it a lot, lot easier. If you if you want poser shots, then you'll set those up. Oh yeah. But otherwise, it's basically pretend I'm not here. Oh yeah, and and I'm not the only one. Uh, besides Jerry, um, Kenji Luster, who you met a couple weeks ago, we did a podcast with. He's the, one of the Pasadena photographers. Now he comes and does all the portraits. The department they're issued a portrait that he has. He'll have them in full turnout. He'll have them with an axe standing in front of a department rig. And we'll put those in the program. Those are shots. I find these are shots that are just uh, invaluable. You know, what a great opportunity! Um, wow. So, but okay, back to technique. Now we're talking about you know you taking the pictures of the fire hydrants and the water squirting out of a, a hose or something, and the helmets and boots being lined up. I find that when I look at the abstract like that, and I'll call them abstract shots. Um, something away from the action that's when you really start to play with technique oh, yeah. you get down on the ground you get low angles you start playing with uh with your your depth of field to get something in focus something blurred in the background you start playing with light a little more just to get something you're creating that image you're working the shot whereas well, you you know anyone can stand there and take a shot of the action but you start getting creative like that that carries over into the rest of your photography. Oh, it sure does. I uh, and, and that's a perfect example, Craig. Um, 
the other day, they were proper technique on carrying a roof ladder. You know, they have to shoulder it properly. They have to put it on their body right. And I got to change F-stops, and I got firemen's heads between the rungs, you know, and I'm framing it inside of a step of a ladder. And, yeah, if I shot... So you're, F- through, you're shooting through the rungs of one ladder and getting recruits that are behind exactly. it somewhere. Yes. Okay. And doing their whatever they're doing. If I shot that at F-22, everything, the the old engine sitting out of the training center, the cars that have been sitting out there, they're all going to The wall in the background. Yeah. It, Burbank has a power plant next to it. You know, do you want that? Yeah. I open up all the way, shoot F-4. I'm shooting that three, uh, 35 to 350 mm-hmm. out there. Get that shallow depth of field. Exactly. To blur the background and you're isolating. Yeah. You're really probably isolating the middle. Uh-huh. Because the ladder well, in the foreground is going to be out of focus. The background is going to be out of focus. You remember, isolating. I think I even said to you, I think I showed you one of the pictures, and I said, I can't tell what that is. And you said, hey, dummy. That, uh, no, you said that's uh, that was a fireman's helmet in the foreground. I couldn't make it out what it was, even looking at my own picture. you know. And that's the thing. You look at different things. It's an opportunity that I think any photographer out there that shoots what we do, go to your local department. It's not only training for them, but it's training for you, and it's a great way to get to know your Offer your services, because oh, yeah. if they've never had, you know, like we've talked about departments out here that are looking for their department's history and don't have any pictures, maybe your local department is looking for that history. Maybe you will be the one to get them their history, to document them and get your foot in the door. And a great way for you to learn, if they've never had pictures given to them before, they've got nothing to compare them to. Oh. So if you're still learning, maybe not the best at what you're doing, I'm sure they'll still appreciate any photographs you give them. Well, you and I, uh, we, we had said, um, now years past, you know, those days of making proof sheets, taking it in and showing it to them. T- today, our technology is giving us the opportunity to burn it to a disc. They can put it in a slideshow on their any computer now almost, they can look at them left and right, whatever. And then the end product, you know, what we're going to use them for. But now I have, you know, abundance of pictures of these training guys. That and you're developing quite a library oh. for yourself. But how are, how are you getting these pictures? Are you turning these pictures over quickly? Are they using them in, like, the next day's presentation? Like, the you know, the reel for the, from the football game, they're all reviewing what they did the day before? or No. What, is this something you're saving for a presentation at the end? We're pretty much so saving. They do what they have learned is at the end of the class, they do a um, presentation of all the pictures that we put together. I mean, they put together a video, oh, an action video. Uh, last time it was like 13 minutes, but they had a lot of recruits. Of our pictures, I mean, there's tons. The expressions on faces, all those different things that, you look from the first day of the recruiter class when they came in and they were prim and proper to the middle to the end, the hair hair's different, the uniform's now worn. And what's great when you're there all the time is that you really pick up the character in every recruit. Oh. You have that opportunity. So at the slideshow at their graduation, when they're sitting there in their dress uniforms and you're crying in the back <laughs> row and their parents are there, their family's there, they see that image of their kid that comes up. They might not even recognize the face at first, but they'll recognize the tongue sticking out. They'll recognize this, you know, the that's the it. way the eyes are. That character, that's something you don't get posing mm. people all the time and, and, and make having it all be formal shots. That's what the candid shots get you. They yep. get you the character. You see the person. And the relationship. As you you started this, 
you know, you had said in the beginning, the relationship that I, as a photographer, I don't carry an ax. I don't carry a hose. I don't go running into burning buildings. There's something that I'm there to do and they know what I'm there to do. And that's the other great thing. You great, you, uh, the trust between rookies to when they graduate, that trust continues on. Now, have you, um, changing gears a little bit, have you had any, any close calls If you know, something snapping a cable, snapping a ladder falling where, where you as a, as a photographer, maybe not an active participant have either had to get involved or, or had a near miss yourself in the, in the situations. You know, it's funny you say that because over my years of doing fire photography, I've had hose clamps and major fires snap two feet from my, from my leg. Went into a full investigation. I've had firemen um, monitors fly off the top of a Glendale rig once, and I was standing three feet away. Blew a fireman right off the top of rig. And those are things now, for me, when I shoot this stuff, I look my precaution. I, I watch my back. You know, what, what could happen? Let's say that hose pop breaks. What happens if that rookie opens that nozzle? I'm carrying, you know, a $2,000 piece of equipment, me. What if he opens that nozzle and knocks me off my feet? You know, so, yeah, there's things that over the years I will say that. that but they're looking for me, too. Burbank has a – Sure. There's, there's safety guys are out there. They don't have to worry about me, but I know in the corner they're ahead. That's – You know, that brings up – now I'm going to say your line. That brings up an interesting point is, you know, we have all levels of – fire photographers listening to this show. We have uh, ones that are new to it, people that are photo enthusiasts that are maybe now getting into covering some fire activity. Really, there's a whole other element to that, and that's safety. You've got to know what you're doing. Now, we welcome photographers of all skill levels here. Not an issue, but we really push safety. And maybe if you're looking to get into this, maybe the maybe a great first step for you is to go to your local department and and train with them. Maybe not hands-on, but try to document their training. Hey, if you have any training things that come up, I'd love to take the pictures for you just to document it. I'll give you the pictures and all that. Well, at the same time, you're gaining a lot of experience. You're you're learning to shoot safer at these different scenes. And maybe that's a great opportunity to do it because, again, you're in a controlled environment. You're, you're less likely to get hurt, and you're taking away a lot from it and gaining a lot of, of experience Along with your pictures. Okay, here's a good one, Craig. How many times have you shot a K-12, or I'm sorry, Jaws of Life in action? Dozens. How many times have you gotten to put your hands on and pop a door off yourself? Never. See, I that's the thing. I've gone so many times with these guys, I could say to the captain, hey, can I try that? And I've gotten to take a pop a door off. I've gotten to take a K-12 and cut into whatever. I've gotten a nozzle. They'll put me on the end of a nozzle. And those are opportunities that I have really, I look back at now, and I have pictures, you know, mm-hmm. of me putting on all that stuff and, and doing things. And listeners out there trying to get into that, you may have a different experience. You may oh, not sure. be able to get to that level. But I'll tell you, you put your hands on that K-12, you put your hands on those jaws, you really get an appreciation for the power behind those, and you get a, a you, you get respect. Oh, you definitely You respect do. that equipment, and that helps. That helps you be safer in the field. Oh, I find it does. When yep. you know what the power behind those, what they can do. So maybe maybe getting in on some of your uh, training from your local department is really a good first step out there. You know, it's funny not to uh, – we're just talking about Jaws of Life and a lot of us shoot accidents. It's one thing that I remember in, uh, seeing many times around autos when they're using Jaws of Life, be careful. 
they could be popping a door. And now with everything in these cars, these uh, airbags deploying. Airbags, pistons, gas pistons. Exactly. Photographers need to be out there. I just saw a video pretty recently of a bumper, you know, these five-mile-an-hour bumper flying off while the guys were doing a rescue technique. That's true, the bumpers. Everything is under pressure. There are explosives in cars now from airbags, you know, and again, following along with some of the training, working alongside them, you're learning these things. What a great refresher or exposure for the first time uh, fire photographer. Or at least when you are out shooting something, let's say an auto fire, and the tires pop. How many times have you jumped three feet? Well, you know, to quote the great Bill Cosby, first you say it, then you do it. <laughs> but we have both been on incidents where an air bot. Bear... We've been knocked on our butts before. Yeah. At incidents. Yeah. And, and, and anybody, any time. of our listeners that are firefighters know that experience. But again, we, you know, we have new photographers out there that are just going to be learning this stuff and we don't want them to learn the hard way. Um, That's, that, that that's great. Now, Okay, I think we're we're about done with that. What uh, anything else to add about the uh, about shooting with the academy? You know, if you we would, I would love to hear from people. We have a great forum now. You have created a fantastic forum, and to share with one another on some things you've learned. I'm, you and I both are out there to share this photography as a community. Well, we're you know the conversation. I keep saying the conversation doesn't end when the show ends. We're just starting the conversation. Yeah. You know, let it continue. So we're just giving you a couple of places to continue that conversation amongst yourselves. But on the forum, I'll give you the address later. Um, but continue the conversation. Get active. And this is we've met a lot of great fire photographers worldwide now doing this show. Yeah. Gotten a lot of feedback, a lot of great tips and stuff. Um, you know, get onto the forum and start uh, start talking. This is this is a great situation, and we're not leading the conversation. We're just getting it started. We're giving you something to talk about. Oh, I'd love to talk to something people. To I would love about. to hear from our friends out there, other photographers. If yeah. they, every city has to train. You're not going to just put a guy in a fire station. Years ago, I talked to Jerry, this other photographer. When he became a fireman, he literally was hired, put on a truck. Two days later, they had a brush fire, and he said, what do I do? They said, well, watch us. That was many, many years ago. Now it's really different. You know, this last uh, recruit class, 1,800 people applied, and mm-hmm. it got reduced down to uh, 17. And that's typical now. That's it sure typical. is. You know, it's very a great job. Very competitive. Great job. Especially in this economy. Oh. It's a great job to have, but very yeah. competitive. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. They The guys now were, like I said, a couple weeks, several weeks into the class. They've developed teams to study. They hang out together. Well, you know, to watch that, you know, when they do their push-ups and all, the little jokes they make to one another, you understand what's going on. So, again, we're just starting the conversation. We Ross and I don't claim to be the experts, the end-all, be-all. Um, you know, we're one of you. We're we're the same as you. We just happen to be in front of the microphone here. So yeah. join in the conversation. Share your stories and experiences. If you have great ideas on how to learn some of these techniques or how to put your foot in the door with your local department and training and all that, Send us the emails. Get on the forum. Bring that up. You know, join in that conversation. Photography has given me the opportunity to be places where most people don't get to go. We get to shoot what most people don't get to see. And uh, I will say that uh, that's what I love about doing what I'm the emergency action photography that I do. The things that I get to see, the camaraderie, fire, police, emergency service, there's a great camaraderie there. The jokes that they, you know, talk and, and share. We're all part of it. Absolutely. I concur. 
Um, hey, we're getting back to uh, our original format here. We've we've been remiss the last few shows. Uh, we haven't done a gadget of the week. Well, we're getting some ideas out there, and uh, and the gadget of this week is a computer related gadget. Will, but will definitely help you in editing your photography on your computer. It is called the Huey. It's uh, by a company called Pantone, P-A-N-T-O-N-E, the Huey, like the helicopter, H-U-E-Y. The one I have here is the M-E-U-101, <laughs> and um, what it is, it's a, it's a calibration tool uh, to calibrate your computer screen, and I will tell you, uh, the reason, you know, and I'm playing with it now, that's the noises you're hearing, it's in my hand, I'll put it down, but... Um, you know, I recently got a, a new computer screen, an L, uh, a flat screen for my computer, and it's the one I use to edit all my uh, my photography on. And I took this thing out of the box, and I, I had previously cal- calibrated the monitor before it that I replaced it with, um, and and that was calibrated, and I got used to seeing that. And then I took this new one out of the box and fired it up and could not believe how bright it was, how washed out it was, and I think most... Monitors are coming out of the box like this. And if you're editing your pictures with that monitor, you are missing out. Um, so I have this Huey calibration device, and it's a, it's really like the size of a ballpoint pen. It's got a couple little suction cups little on it. A little cradle to hold it in. Yeah, and... little cradle. And it comes with a, a CD-ROM uh, to, you know, to, to kind of walk you through the process. You install it on your computer and open it up, and you plug it in. It's got a USB uh, connector on the other end. You plug it into your computer. And this uh, device sticks to your screen, and the software even tells you where to stick it to the screen. Now I had a little trouble. It, it you know, on my flat screen, you're, you're afraid you're going to put your hand through your screen. Yeah. And uh, I will say that, but you don't have to. If you so, rub, rub your finger over the little suction cups, oh. you usually put enough oil or moisture on it to get it to to stick to the to yeah, the screen. Yeah, Craig, lend me his. I, I uh, I'm about to buy one. Yeah. He said, try this, and it's a gadget that easy. Oh, the instructions, Craig. Thank you very much. I mean, I put the CD in, and it walked me through it. Yeah, it's a piece of cake. It Five walks minutes. you through it. You tell it what you're going to use your screen for. Do you use it uh, for web browsing, for photo editing, for documents, for presentations? And it will calibrate the screen for what it you know for, for what's best viewing for that uh, that use. So I do the web browsing photo use, and what it ends up doing, it goes through all these colors, all different shades. It's a whole, it's about a minute-long process. It does. It's all automated. does it itself, and it shows what's neat is after it's done, it shows you the before and after. And I'll tell you, you toggle between the two because usually the finished product, it, it to the, what you're used to, it looks dark. It usually looks a little dark, and you say, oh, that looks dark. And then you do the before. It's like, oh, my gosh, that's bright. It's that's funny. way too bright. When I and took mine off. off. Today, I brought this one back to you. It says, where's Yui? <laughs> where's Yui? Yeah, it wants to check on it once in a while. But, I mean, the difference is amazing. And I'll tell you, a, a practical uh, revelation I had with it was I use a company called Printroom.com to print my photos online and, and to ship to customers and things like that. And and I tested a lot. I got a lot of samples myself to see how things were printing. And I noticed they were printing dark. All the prints seemed a little dark. Well, then I calibrated my screen and printed some more, and they were perfect. The exposures were perfect. And I realized what was happening was my screen was so bright before, out of the box, so bright, all my pictures looked bright, so I had to darken them down. I had to darken them, and then yeah, they printed dark. Now, just now, I think you said uh, it, 
it's USB. Mm-hmm. You plug it right into USB. It it comes with a little cable and an extension cable. Everything you need. It it's self-contained. You leave it sit in fact in front of your screen, and every so on, it'll read the room light. It'll read it. You can what you can do is you can leave it running all the time, and it's in a little cradle, and you can leave it right in front of your screen on your desk, and you can tell the program to to um to adjust the screen with the room light. As the room light changes, maybe you have the wind, the shades open during the day and then you have the incandescent light at night. It will reevaluate constantly evaluate that light lighting situation and it will uh, and it will adjust the screen accordingly. I'm telling you this is this is a great gadget. I, I got it at an Apple store where I, you know, I bought my Mac. I bought it there. It was on the shelf. Um, there's a red package and green package. The green package is the Pantone Huey Pro and I really haven't figured out what the difference is between them except the price. But I use the regular Huey, the red package. Um, you can get it on Amazon. I'm looking at their site now, and it appears to be on sale. The list price is $89. But on Amazon right now, you can get it for $59.99, and it ships uh, for free. So you actually save about $30. But I'll tell you, this thing is great. Um, I couldn't wait. When I, got this, uh, when I got this new monitor, I called Ross within about 10 minutes. I said, where's my Huey? I need to get this screen calibrated. It's driving me nuts. I'm going blind looking at this thing. And that tells you how your eyes can get used to one thing. But it's uh, the same way a lot of uh, flat screen televisions are coming now. These big plasmas and LCDs, they come out of the box at the wrong setting. They're like the setting for the store, these dynamic settings. They're way too bright. So you've got to get it down to the right level. But the the biggest benefit for me out of this has been my prints. My prints are coming out properly now, which tells me, before I calibrated the screen, that screen was wrong. Oh, you're going to put that in the show notes, right? Absolutely. You're going to put the website in the show notes. It's Pantone. It's the Huey, H-U-E-Y, and it is available at Amazon.com. As a matter of fact, if you go to the website, uh, at firegroundaction.com, there's a link. You can click right on that link for the Huey, and that'll take you to uh, the, that related uh, page on Amazon, and you can buy it right from Amazon via the firegroundaction.com website. Uh, that's something new we've started, too, is the gadgets we talk about on the show and gadgets that are recommended and things that we think would help you out out there. We're going to start putting links uh, on the website to the uh, Amazon page so you can go right, right to that item. You know, right. we talked uh, last week with Rick and Ted from Boston. Rick was talking about the Vivitar strobe he's using that he got for $90, and it works with digital cameras and all that. Well, I've gone ahead and put a link on the, the website. Oh, That'll great. take you right to Amazon.com and that product. And boom, you can get it right there. So I think that's what, something we'll start doing, um, the kind of recommended equipment, recommended products. And that will give you an easy easy way to find these products. So you don't have to go searching all over the Internet for them. Uh, just go to firegroundaction.com and click on that link for that product. Oh, and that's boom, easy. Great. Piece of cake. Piece of cake. We are here for you. <laughs> Using technology for uh, well, the you ease know, the of our listeners. The other thing I wanted, Craig, um, I have some friends that don't have iPods. And you need to understand that you don't need to have an iPod to – to listen to the show. Correct. You have it in QuickTime. You can copy it. Let's say you're driving in a car with a CD player. You can take and copy that MP3 file to a CD, listen to it, yep. you know, as a CD, other devices. That is actually why. My BlackBerry. I now copy it and listen to it on my you're BlackBerry. You're listening to it on your phone. Yep. Your smartphone. Yep. That's why I make an MP3 version available. I actually um, edit this show twice. One as an M4A it's an AAC file. It's that's the format that iTunes uses, um, and that's what's uploaded to iTunes. So if you subscribe to iTunes or download it from there, you're getting an M4A file, which won't work on your MP3 that's player. Right. So what I also do is I format it as an MP3, 
and I put that on the website. Um, and you can download it right from the website. So you have an MP3 available too. So, you you know, people call them podcasts, but don't confuse it with anything Apple-related or the fact that you need a, an iPod or something to listen to it. You don't. You don't. They're available in different formats. Um, but you can subscribing through iTunes is an easy way to do it. It just doesn't come out as an MP3. It comes out as an M4A, another format. But if you go to the website, firegroundaction.com slash media, um, you can listen to the uh, download the MP3 there, or you can just click on the button and play it and listen to it right on the website. You know, it's funny. The other day, you and I were sharing notes. You can listen to back shows, shows uh, edition or episode three, four. Um, what I do is sometimes I'll go back to an old episode while I'm doing something in my room or in my office, and I'll let it play in the background while I'm doing a load of wash to crank up the speakers. You're not talking to anybody. It's 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 not noise, but I'm listening. It, it's a good refresher. And you can a great thing about podcasts is you can listen to them whenever you want. You can stop it whenever you want, rewind all that. And you know there are sometimes when I have I forget something technique wise or equipment wise. Oh, I really wanted to get that thing. What was that thing that we talked about a month and a half ago? <laughs> oh, the Huey. I go back to the show. Oh, the Huey. Yeah, let me listen to that again. I want to hear about that again. So share it with friends. That that is an advantage. They don't have to be photographers. It, it is you know, if they are, anybody can listen to it. Computer users, you know, exactly. all that. But you know, we we do. Uh, we are here for photographers, and and I think we talk about enough technique and camera equipment and stuff where really. Anybody interested in photography can probably get something out of this show. Can you tell Craig and I enjoy photography? We, we yeah. have a great friendship. But that's why uh, at the beginning of every show, I say for photographers specializing yeah. in emergency services action photography. It's for photographers. We talk you know, The techniques we use in fire photography will work for any photographer out there. It doesn't matter what you're shooting. We just happen to sprinkle a little fire-related uh, <laughs> conversation on top. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a great point, but yeah, firegroundaction.com is the website. You can get to the podcast, all the podcasts, all the episodes are, are up there. This is number 13. Um, and you know, they go up, we add one every week. We're trying to get them out on a regular basis. Um, but you can listen to the first show. You can listen to the last show. You can get them all there. They're not going away. You know, there was something that, uh, was it Rick or Ted sent us uh, on the uh, forum about gadgets, photo vests, different coats. That's the other thing we're yeah. doing on that. Ted uh, had that idea. I had That's a going to be about diopters, you know. Yeah, and that, somebody needs to answer that question for us. Go to the forum. Um, really, the easiest thing to do. We're trying to get a, an easier uh, URL for the forum right now. The easiest thing to do is go to the website firegroundaction.com, and you can click on the forum and go right there, and you you can become a member. It's a Google group uh, forum, so if you already have a password, you can get on. Or you can join for free and join in the conversation. But we put questions up there. Members are putting questions up there and relying on other members to to point them in the right direction, to answer the questions. You can put show topic ideas. You can put gadget ideas. Ted was great and, and put a gadget idea up there. And we're going to cover that on a future show. It was a uh, an L.L. Bean product. So if you have an eye on a great gadget out there, if you've come across something interesting, put it on the forum. Send us an email. Share that. And everybody, uh, I imagine, will will go looking for that gadget, and maybe we'll talk about it on a future show. But, uh, Ross, uh, while we wrap up here, you have a website. How can people see your work? And, and on your website, can people see any of this academy uh, uh, stuff? You know, this class, I have the graduation from our last class. I uh, am just reworking uh, my webpage, uh, firepictures.com. 
You, um, you realize now with this podcast, it's all recorded and people can go back and see how many shows you've said that for? <laughs> You're right. It's funny <laughs> you say that. Uh, but I am working on it. And uh, these pictures We're always from this working class, on our website. Oh, we are. You know, because I'm out there shooting quite a bit and it takes quite a bit of time. As we've learned from our other guests, we prefer to be shooting than doing editing and, and so forth. I remember darkroom time. How many times did you shoot and you had to go play in the darkroom? Well, I'd prefer to shoot. Uh, but fire picture, firepictures.com. Uh, I also am on Twitter. Um, you can follow me or uh, ask for a link and I'll follow you or so forth. And that's uh, fire pictures at Twitter. I forget how the... Uh... Twitter.com slash fire pictures. Okay. Yeah, that would be where you'd go. And your email address? Uh, Ross at firepictures.com. Yeah, that's a common theme going through. So that there. or it's Ross Benson about... Photography. Ross Benson Photo. Let's keep it fire pictures. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> the, the, the common theme here. Um, if you want to email me directly, it's Craig at firegroundaction.com. Um, my website is craigderling.com, or you can go to firegroundaction.com and get there as well. Everything's kind of linked together. Um, if you want to send an email uh, that's podcast-related about the show, a question, a topic idea, a gadget of the week idea or an experience uh, you've had uh, between shows, you can email us anytime at podcast at firegroundaction.com. We are also on the Twitter, which is a, an online, basically social uh, uh, networking site. But uh, we put questions out during the week and we put different announcements about the show and, and you can follow us on there and, and join in the conversation there. We are, are Fire Photos on Twitter. So twitter.com slash firephotos. Sign up for your free account, and you can follow us. We'll follow you, and we'll uh, continue the conversation there as well. Um, again, the show is available on iTunes. Just go to iTunes and do a search for Fireground, and the podcast will come up. You can subscribe for free there, or you, again, can go to the website, firegroundaction.com, and get everything there. And what's also there is the show notes from every show. It's a little description as to what we covered in the show, but what's also there, more importantly, is all the links we've mentioned throughout the episode. So you don't have to write them down while you're driving or jogging or walking your dog. Just go to the website after the show comes out, and all the links we've mentioned will be right there for you to use. Did I forget anything? No. Walking your dog. That's, I like that one. Well, you walk your dog. I do. Buddy, yeah. buddy gets, uh, and I do listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> See? Even we're fans. Yeah. Even we're fans. Um, I'll, I swear, I'll do the show, and then I'll listen to it the next day and learn something. I don't know. It's like, you know, we have this stream of consciousness in here, and I don't know. I guess we can, and, we, we learn from well, the show, Well, you're a great too. interviewer, and, and as, uh, you could tell, um, the notes that you keep and all, and I've gone back. You don't know how many links I've clicked now that you have said, and I'll go back. It's a great reference library. There's a lot of work doing this show, and... <laughs> Remembering all of those links. But anyway, I love it. I love doing it for all you guys out there. Anyway, that's about it. That's it for this episode, folks. Thanks for tuning in again. Be safe out on those fire lines. And we will see you next time on the Fireground Action Photography Podcast. Podcast.